Howdy. Do you or anyone you love have a beard, lips, or skin? If this is true for you, then we have a great deal for you from our friends over at Catholic Balm Co. No, I didn't say bomb. I said balm. B-A-L-M. Head on over to catholicbalm.co slash forte. Here's the deal. Anytime you use that link, you are not only supporting the work here of Forte Catholic, but you are also supporting youth ministry throughout the country. And you're not just giving to us and to these great causes, you are getting a special deal as well. If you enter the code Forte, F-O-R-T-E, you will get not 10, but we've turned the discount to 11, 11% off your next purchase. Go check it out. Beard Balm to make your beard luscious like mine. There's lip balm and hand lotion, all kinds of great stuff for all your beard, skin, and lip needs. Once again, catholicbalm.co slash forte to support the work we are doing here at the show, Catholic Youth Ministry, and get some great new products for yourself and or your loved ones. Peace. beautiful day here in South Texas, Central Texas, wherever I am, in the Red Sea Radio, beautifully warm studios. That's what we're going with today. Speaking of beautifully warm, I am joined today by co-host Jonathan Blevins. John, how are you today, my brother? Man, I'm doing awesome, but I got to tell you, bro, it snowed four inches yesterday here in Illinois, so not so beautiful. Oh my goodness. I thought winter was over. I read this amazing thing on Facebook that I'm going to forget, but there it's like there are four fake outs before actual spring in Illinois. So there are actually like 12 seasons. This is the the last winter before actual spring. Well, I hope that's true for you because it is like I mean, we're in the midst of this track season. Uh, hey, I, I haven't said this yet. I told everybody that we we're going to the district track meet on the last episode. We won. For the third Yay. time in a row, we are back to back to back champions. Yay! We did it. Congratulations! What a blessing. I mean, it's not a, it's not a pride thing at all. But the school had never won district until I started coaching, and now I've never lost. So I mean, I, I mean, it's hard to not be prideful. I mean, come on, I'm doing something right. When is state? I know we got third last year. So we'll we'll see what happens. We won. We've won individual things at state. We won the four by one last year. We won uh, discus. Got silver at shot put. Silver at hundred. Like we're we're gonna win some gold medals this year at state. We might not win as a team, but we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, it was a, it was a cool it was a cool week for us. Uh, yeah. So it was also my son's sixth birthday. I almost said twelfth birthday. It was on the twelfth. It was my son's uh, happy sixth birthday. birthday to John Paul. His name's Christopher, but thank you. Yeah, uh-huh. I had a 50-50 shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm very proud of you. That was good. Um, so I've I've had a good week. Something else that happened this week, I saw that you had a very exciting thing happen. You, my friend, congrats on one year of streaming. I'm so happy for you. 
Thanks, my guy. Yeah, it's been a wild year. Um, but yeah, one year of streaming. I remember the first time I ever I started it. Uh, my wife was out of town. It was right before my March Madness party. I had a bunch of dudes at the house, like hanging out, and I was using like this horrible laptop to stream. Uh, we've come a long way in this one year. Well, I'm very proud of you. So you have like what eight eight viewers now or something? Wow, <laughs> wow. Actually, it's it's, it's up to the, the biggest average we've ever had, which is about between 50 on a low night and 120 on a regular night. So it's been pretty cool. But you have like thousands of subscribers, don't you? Uh, I have, right now I have 350 sub paid subscribers and I have like 35,000 follows on Twitch. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's yeah. So about 1,000 to 5,000 come in every night in the stream, but average who stay at a time is about 100. That's that's sweet though. Like thirty five thousand people, like that's the size of my hometown. Like that's that's amazing <laughs> that that many people want to watch you play video games. It's pretty cool. So that's pretty wild. Uh, congrats on that. So there was another big thing that happened uh, this weekend. We're recording this on Monday. So yesterday, the Masters happened, and I, I don't know if you've heard of this, John, but uh, something quite big happened at the Masters yesterday. You a golf fan? I'm a huge golf fan, especially the Masters. There's something about having the windows open in springtime while you take a nap until the Sunday final round. And I just vividly remember watching Tiger Woods as a kid and cheering for him all the time. So it was incredible to see what he did yesterday. I love that you're like watching men at the peak of what they're doing. And you're just like, yeah, I'm just laying down in the couch with my windows <laughs> open. <laughs> They're like even older than I am, and I'm just like, well, this is exhausting. <laughs> I've been watching this for four days. I'm very tired and sore for some reason. <laughs> so yeah, Tiger, Mr. Tiger Woods won the Masters. This is crazy because everybody thought he was done. Like everybody's written him off. Like he's had his his personal issues and his personal life and made made his mistakes. And he's tried to make up for those. And like that, it wrecked his career. Like the, his the, his personal mistakes wrecked his career. Injuries happen, all this stuff. Everybody's like, he's he's done. He was on track. Like when we were kids, to be like not even close the greatest golfer of all time. Like he was going to pass Jack Nicklaus. He was winning every other weekend. You know, like he was he was cr absolutely crushing it. And, and then he just fell off. And everybody everybody wrote him off. He's never going to come back. And for the first time in 14 years, this is his fifth majors win. His last one was 14 years ago. Like, I was, what, 15 the last time that happened? That's insane, dude. So uh, what did you think about it? Like, what was your reaction when you saw that he won? So, I, bro, I'm team Tiger Woods. Like, I remember watching him as a kid. It's, it's the only reason I ever watched golf was because watching him was incredible. I remember the, the time he hit that crazy putt to win it when I was in high school. And I just remember cheering and, and like, looking at myself, like, I can't believe I'm cheering during golf. Like, he was such, such a great guy to get behind. I also remember where I was the day that it broke, the news broke. I had just started dating my wife. Uh, and I went over to her house in the morning and I made her breakfast and then she went to work and I did some work at her place. And then we hung out. And I remember like seeing the news and just being like, no, not tiger. Like, come on. And I remember watching him fall. And I remember weirdly, man, America, America immediately just dumped him. They're like, we're done. Like no one, no one was like, Hey, maybe he has a problem. Hey, maybe we'll give him a second shot. He was just completely blacklisted by everyone. And I remember being like, praying for him and being super sad and being like hurt and praying for all the women, uh, you know, that he had, you know, abused in one way or another, um, and praying for his soul and his marriage, all this stuff. And I just remember thinking someday, like someone's going to need to forgive this guy and he's going to have a chance. And I just have told everyone, and you ask any of my friends who know me, uh, if I ever thought Tiger would win another one, 
I, I have. I've always thought it and I've always rooted for him. And so to watch one of the greatest, if not the greatest athlete of all time, crash and burn, maybe in the biggest way we've ever seen an athlete do, and then come back from the ashes and win again 14 years later. I was jacked, bro. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it was it was really, really cool. Like it was a cool redemption story, a cool sports story, a cool story of like a you know, a guy who's older in his sport now, like 42 is, is fairly old in golf, or at least on the other side of young, you know. Um I, I was I, I just thought it was such a cool moment. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking about something in my personal life because I too, John, I went, I, I had a very similar moment to Tiger this weekend. That's not true at all. I went back to CrossFit uh, uh, at the end of last week. Okay. Nice. And I've been in this thing where like I, I, I told everybody that I pulled my hamstring a month and a half ago thinking I, I was as good as an athlete as I used to be and running with my track team, pulling my hamstring. I couldn't, I couldn't run for about a, a month. And then I re- waited about another week or two just to make sure before I went back to working out. So I went back and it was one of those things that I was like, it felt good to move again. But at the same time, we were doing bench work, which like we haven't done. I haven't done bench at uh, like bench press at CrossFit ever since I've been going since like November. Right. Like I've never we've never seen a bench in there. And, and a, a big part of our workout was doing bench press. And I have to say it was it was fairly depressing because like 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 we we're like hey you know match up with a guy who's about your size or or can lift about the same amount that you can uh, because we're gonna just kind of like rotate through the two of you going back and forth lifting and the guy was like well uh, you know what what weight do you want to put on where you can do six reps multiple times I was like okay let's put he was like I'm gonna do 185 I said okay let's start with that so I warmed up. Did 185 six times. No problem. And then he was like, I'm going to do all of these at this. And we did like eight sets. It was, a, it was a lot. And like every set, it was so depressing. I had to take 20 more pounds off and take 20 more pounds off <laughs> and take 20 more pounds off before yeah. I got to, I got all the way down to like 135. And I'm doing 135, which John, like I, I we, we've joked about uh, athletes, uh, athletic stuff before. Like I actually used to be good at stuff. Like I went to a, and a college combine like for college scouts to be there to watch you and I and I if I remember right we did reps at a, at 185 pounds and I did like 24 without stopping and here I am on Friday doing 135 and I got to like my sixth set on 135 and I couldn't get the bar up a guy had to come save my life with 135 pounds I was so depressed John you ain't as good as you once was. I am not, but I I wasn't as good once as I ever was either. Like that was just it was just bad. It was just not good at all. And then sure. so th- then like all weekend, like I'm still sore. I worked out on like Thursday or Friday, and like my chest and my arms are still sore from that day. So it's been on my mind, John. I've thought about like how I'm not as cool as I used to be multiple times over the last few days. Okay. And then Tiger wins the Masters changes my life. Why? Because Tiger won the Masters? No, because here's what it did for me. It made me realize that, okay, this guy who was at the top of his game, like top of the world, like lost everything, was no longer good at golf. Like he had rounds that were like what I can golf. Like it, it was, yeah. it got really bad for a while. And then slowly but surely over the last 14 years, he got back to where 
He was, and he won the Masters, right? So, like, physically, I was never the best in the world at anything. But, um, John, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to run a 4-4 again. I'm never going to lift 24, you know, lift 185 pounds 24 times in a row. But why should I still work out? Like, what, what's in it for me? Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. Your name's John, so- right? I had a great conversation the other day with a seminarian who uh, is at Mundelein Seminary. And so the rector over there is Father John Carchi. He's an incredible guy, my spiritual director. I love him. Um, the rector before him, you may have heard of him before, uh, Bishop Robert Barron. You heard uh, of that name? It sounds vaguely familiar. Does he, uh, has he ever given a, a parish mission at a very small church that no one's ever heard of? <laughs> no, 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 no. Different guy. Different guy. Different guy. Okay. <laughs> So Bishop Robert Barron is just, he's incredible. And when he, what he used to tell the seminarians all the time, he would drill this into them. He would be like, most important thing in your life is your spiritual, your, your prayer life, your spiritual life. The second most important thing is your physical health. Um, and I don't know if you've seen him, but he's jacked lately. Um, so it's important, man. It's important to work out. Even though you might not be the best athlete you ever were before, it's important to take care of ourselves. And I'm learning that the hard way as well. Yeah. And like, for me, I, like it's this realization of like, I mean, it helped when I went to the doctor and they're like, hey, you need to move around or your heart's going to explode. Also, here's some medicine and go go work out and stop sitting on your on your rump all the time. It's like, OK, like that's a good reason to want to work out. But even then, like I do have this desire to like be an athlete again, like to be able to play basketball well, to be able to like compete at CrossFit stuff. Like I do have that desire and I'm not there. So it's going to take me making this decision to to move to move back into that. Um and it's going to take this long incremental change, like for me to be able to lose weight, for me to get stronger, like it's going to take a long time, even just to even get close to where I used to be, but I can still get somewhere. I started thinking about the same thing as an experience that I had in, in my prayer life, in my, in my personal interior life, right after I got married. So I got, I got married, started grad school, I was working full time. Like it was a busy season in my life. And like when I was an undergrad, I've said this before, I was super holy. I was like doing an adoration hour like almost every day, you know, praying, praying a rosary and going to daily mass all the time. And then I, we got married and I was doing all this. I was doing all this stuff, working and going to school and like getting four hours of sleep because I was working so much and go to school and all this kind of stuff. And I went to confession and I was kind of like, not like almost on the verge of tears, like breaking down to this priest. It's like, I feel like I'm just lost everything. Like I'm not holy anymore. I'm not praying. I, I, you know, and, and he was like, well, what do you mean by that? And I was like, I'm praying like 20, 30 minutes a day. I used to do like an hour, hour 15. And he was like, Taylor, calm down. Like your life has changed. You And he told me like in confession, he's like, your prayer life will probably daily never look like it did again when you were single and in college and not working. Like you're never going to have that amount of free time ever again. But what what it what it started doing to me when I was in that situation was the same thing with working out. It's like, "Oh, I'm never going to be I'm never going to have a six-pack again, so why even try? I'm never going to be fast again, so why even try?" But like so I started doing the same thing with my prayer. "Oh, I'm never going to be as holy as I used to be, so like why even try?" And I still feel myself getting caught into that every now and then. It's like, oh, I'm not as holy as I once was. So like, I like I feel like it's going to take so much work to get back there. So, you know, why even why even try? And then I see Tiger win the Masters. I'm like, dang it! Like, he's back on top of his game. It's like I want to be back on top of my spiritual game. And I, I think what like 
I can't I can't do either either thing. I can't completely give up, be like I'm never going to be as good as I used to be, and I can't also be like, oh, I'm going to win the Masters spiritually tomorrow. You know, like it's going to take time because like because like like Tiger messed up. Like I have messed up in my relationship with God. Things have fallen apart. Look. I need to start working back. And, I, and like I'm starting to do that, right? Like this, re, these realizations are helping me to start move back, moving back incrementally. Does this make any sense to you at all? Because it does to me, but it's all inside it, my brain. I'm trying to dispense it out to the world. It makes a ton of sense. It makes a ton of sense. And I would say I'm going through a lot of the same stuff, to be honest. So uh, had the exact same, literally the exact same confession experience with a good priest friend of mine from back in Wisconsin and Father Dave. And uh, he looked, I was the same thing, dude. I was, I'll never forget it that day. I was still working at a, I was bartending and doing ministry, just got married. And I was just like, man, I just can't pray like I used to. And he's like, you can't pray. You're exactly right. You can't pray like you used to. Um, same exact advice. He's like, your life has changed. Your prayer needs to change. And not that it's an excuse to not pray at all, but to keep growing. And then working out, bro, that's literally probably the hardest thing. If I could change one thing about myself, it would be have the motivation and to create the time to go work out. Uh, every single day, at least five days a week. Um, it's something I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be better at. I've been eating a lot better lately. And so that's a part of it. Um, but just being healthy in general uh, is something I'm working at. Yeah. And and just like you said, I mean, it's it, like it's starting with just a few minutes every day, either with prayer or with working out or whatever. And like we're coming to the end of Lent. Like this is it. This is the last week of Lent. We're ending here in just a couple of days. And like, you know, all of us have taken on these big or small things in Lent. It's like, we're going to do these big things. It's like, okay, but what are the, what are the things that are going to stick next week when Easter's over after you've eaten all your candy and done all your celebrating of like, look, I, you know, I gave up cussing. I can cuss again. Like that's not a real celebration, but you know, like in, in those types of things, it's like, look, I gave up soda. Now I can have soda. And now it's a celebration. Like what are the things though, that are going to stick and then like the things that are actually going to be a part of your life change. Like you and I were just talking earlier about, about some of your new eating habits and how you're like, you're like, look, I'm, I might do this forever. You know, it's like something that's a simple, easy change. Uh, what is going to stick from this Lenten season going in to Easter? Are you asking me to answer this? Cause it sounded really hypothetical. Uh, yeah. Yes to both. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. For me, I mean, for me, dude, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be spending time with my, my intentional time with my wife and kids. Uh, so that, that has been the best part of, of excess 90 and Lent for me is being off my phone a lot. Uh, I probably won't redownload the Twitter app. Um, unfortunately you can't go on Instagram.com. <laughs> like it just like doesn't work well. So you got to have that app if I'm going to be on it. Um, but I, just, it's been so nice to be present with the fam to pray more, um, and to kind of start trying to work out. So those three things are going to stick for me for sure. I might also try to stick with the no snacking in between meals thing. It's been really good for me. Oh, dude, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. So, uh, yeah, everybody else, what is it for you? And I'll give you a chance to answer while we go to commercial here for just a second. Uh, also, John, I uh, my last follow-up from this conversation, bartending and doing ministry together is the most Catholic thing you've ever done in your life. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Can I make a bold prediction real quick? Sure. Tiger Woods will beat Jack Nicholas's record of uh, major championships within the next two years. You heard it here first, guys. All right, we will be right back at the end of this break with, speaking of pro athletes, a recently retired professional soccer player. Don't go anywhere.
Let's be honest. You need some new socks. We all need new socks. Like all the socks that I own uh, have like holes in them and then they mismatch. You need to go to ForteCatholic.com slash socks, S-O-C-K-S, and you can get all of the amazing Catholic socks from Sock Religious. You can also get a nice little 15% off. You can find out how to do that. ForteCatholic.com slash socks. I am currently wearing my St. Michael socks. They are fantastic, and they make me much cooler than I actually am. If you, too, have the desire to be cool, you can get there with Sock Religious. ForteCatholic.com slash socks. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. Joined today by the bearded wonder, Mr. Jonathan Blevins himself. And we, we have a pretty cool guest today. I mean, most time we have pretty cool guests, but we have never once had a former professional soccer player on the show today. I'm really excited to uh, to welcome to the show Luke Vercoloni. Luke, what's up, man? What's up, guys? Honored to be here. Thanks, Taylor. So, a life in the MLS. What does that? What does that even look like, man? Because, like, okay. So, so, my first questions are about soccer. We're not even going to talk about faith first, because, like, I grew up in like South Texas. Soccer wasn't this huge thing. You got into the MLS, drafted 2004 in this fledgling league, trying like trying to make soccer this big thing. So, let's just talk about your soccer career for a second. Like, how did you even get started? in this baby league called the Major League Soccer. Yeah, well, back then it was pretty small. There was only 10 teams back in 2004 when I got drafted. But uh, I, I, ever since I was four years old, man, I always dreamed about being a pro athlete growing up in Massachusetts. So really liking the Celtics and the Patriots and the Red Sox and following those teams. And I'm like, all right, well, I'd love to be a pro athlete one day. And I wasn't... Uh, athletic enough for for football or big enough for that or tall enough for basketball and I didn't have the patience for baseball so I was like all right let's stick with soccer (laughs) and uh, I did pretty good at soccer and uh, decided to pursue that and always dreamed of being a a pro with that and and praise be to God had a successful college career and got drafted into the major leagues in 2004. That's that's phenomenal. I, I like your thought process for why you chose soccer. <laughs> You're like, I am a shorter white man. What sports can yeah. I play? This one. This is the one that I can go with. There it is. <laughs> uh, John was a John was a professional tetherball player. He he went pro for about two and a half years until he until he broke his sternum. John, you want to tell us a little bit about that experience? This is this is just a complete lie. Uh, however, I was I was really into soccer. Played varsity three years in high school and was going to play in college. I really wanted to, but didn't see professional as a possibility. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna try something else and so i I just love it i still to this day love watching soccer love the mls uh and and love what they're trying to do especially now getting america back on the map for soccer we're gonna win the next world cup let's do it man amen (laughs) (laughs) you you really think you're gonna win the next world cup john (laughs) yeah bro you have to dream big okay the cubs won after 100 years the lions are gonna win the next super bowl and america's winning the next world cup and if this happens Wait, 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 wait. You can't. Most listened to podcasts in the history of the world. <laughs> if the Lions win more than two games, it'll be considered a good season, John. <laughs> okay. 
Time to now. Okay. John just left. He just left the entire the entire thing. Luke, I've had like athletes on beforehand. We've had an Olympic athlete on before. We've talked about like faith in the Olympic area. Like it was just it was just crazy. There was very little believers. Everybody gave their entire life to being the best in the world at whatever sport they were doing in the Olympics. Was was your faith always a part of your of your soccer journey? Like where did where did cuz like now you are running BSA Ministries, you're working in ministry. Like so obviously it's a big thing now. How did your faith and soccer coexist or not? Yeah, there's totally room for them to coexist and complement and not compete or contradict each other. Uh, I grew up uh, in the church. I grew up Catholic and I uh, went to church every Sunday and was raised in the faith, but um, it wasn't until college till it became a, a really big part of my life, and I fully embraced it and let God into all areas of my life, and, and really caught fire for the faith after, you know, being in a culture that was pretty much opposed to it. You know, have having to sink or swim, you know, or having to um, choose it for yourself. You know, you can't just go with the flow anymore when you're in that environment. So, when I did that and caught fire and actually my soccer improved and I had even more meaning and purpose and motivation and, and passion and fire just uh, to, to be what God wanted me to be and to, to serve him with the talents that he's given me. So yeah, in, in the soccer environment, I mean, you, you get a mix depending on, you know, a lot of different nationalities and whatnot. It's a very international sport. Um, you know, it is it's somewhat secular, but a lot of people do have a Christian background. It's usually not great formation or super deep but um we would have prayers and we'd have bible study and we'd have great conversations and relationships but yeah you you totally have to dedicate yourself to the sport in order to be successful but that doesn't take away from your relationship with jesus and growing in your faith as well so definitely a mixed environment with soccer but i was able to grow in my relationship with god and to serve him with the gifts that he's given me throughout my pro career so it's an interesting thought because none of us are, have been professional athletes. Uh, I, if there is one professional athlete listening to this podcast, I would be su- as surprised as I would if the Lions win three games. I mean, it's just well, – Hold on, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. <laughs> I am technically a professional esports athlete. Oh, boy. We are going to have an entirely different conversation okay, sorry, about this. Esports competitor. I'll give you competitor. I'm not letting you say athlete as I, as I can see you <laughs> in the video. Uh, <laughs> so, like, we, we can't relate with being a professional athlete. But what people can relate to is you're working in a job in the secular world. And you want to be good at it. You're striving to be good at it. You're, you're putting all, you have to, like you said, completely dedicate yourself to it. But yet, there's still this space to, to continue to grow into your faith. And I, th- I think I want to have that conversation today. Like, how can we be great at what, we, at we, what our work is, at what we're called to do, is at what we're, what we're trying to do, and still be great at the faith thing? How, like, what worked for you? How were you able to be a professional athlete for 16 years? While, while still being a, a, a practicing Catholic and, and a guy who is a Catholic speaker and, and continually growing in holiness. How were you able to do that? Through the grace of God, you know, um, <laughs> easy, easy escape to that question there. But no, it's, um, we are all called to be saints and, and no matter what we do. And, and so many people, even if they can't relate to being a pro athlete, I mean, in the work world, as a student, in a family, we're all called to be saints wherever we are. But I think having that relationship with God and having that deep interior life, I think that needs to come first because then through that, then we can discern our vocation and our calling and 
and where we're meant to be. And so when we do feel that call to pursue that vocation, you know, be it in the family, be it in the, um, the lay apostolate or, or even in the, the priesthood or, or the convent, where, wherever you're called, or even if it's called to be an athlete, and we're all called to be saints, we're all called to be athletes for Christ. And so when we have that consolation from God in that direction, in that relationship where we can discern where he's calling us, then we have that grace to do it with excellence. Um, and, and you don't have to be a pro athlete to do what you do day to day with excellence. And I think about St. Jose Maria Escriva and his call to live out holiness in the day to day. And he was an instrumental saint in motivation for me in my life. And a lot of my formation came through Opus Dei and through the spiritual exercise of St. Jose Maria Escriva. And if you're familiar with him, I mean, he talks a lot about just sanctifying your daily and your simple, mundane daily activities, um, whether it's, you know, taking out the garbage or whether it's playing in a, in a pro sports arena. So whatever you do, do it all for God's glory. And hopefully when I take out the trash, because my wife tells me to, I'll get the same feeling that you got when you scored a goal in Major League Soccer. That's what I'm hoping for. I want to have that same kind of uh, sense of of, (laughs) accomplishment. So uh, you've mentioned saints a lot and this drive for sainthood. And you even mentioned uh, St. Jose Maria Escriva. I always feel like I should like, you know, chop, judo chop whenever I say his last name. So you started... This Be a Saint Ministries. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because I, I just mentioned encountered you uh, in January at the SEAT conference, and I loved what I saw. But tell us a little bit more about it. Cool. Yeah. So Be a Saint Ministry is all about fierce holiness and about proactive Christianity. Whereas um, for the last decade, I've been writing on my, my prayer journal and on my notebook, you know, Be a Saint. You know, it's a calling. Um, like the new evangelization John Paul II calls us to. We're all called to be saints no matter what we're doing. And so that was kind of like my saying, be a saint, be a saint. Um, but a few years ago, about five years ago, that, that term beast started becoming popular and trending. And I, I would always have B-A and then it would say S-T for saint, you know, just shortening it. I'd even carve it into the back of my phone, the phone case there, just as a reminder, just kind of like a, a WWJD bracelet, right? Reminds us, what would Jesus do? But my, my saying was, you know, be a saint and how can I do that? And then I shortened it to beast and that term started getting popular. And I was like, what if we could rebrand that term to mean fierce holiness? You know, whereas, um, you know, we're all called to be saints, but we're called to be beasts for Christ too, because my concern was and the encouragement for me with that saying was that, you know, it's so easy to just be like, okay, I'm saved or okay. I have faith or okay. I believe, but you know, serving the Lord and being active in your faith and doing good works, you know, you don't get extra credit for that as a Christian. That's actually part of Christianity, you know, and I feel like in our culture, we need to encourage youth to see that and to be proactive and express their faith through the works that they're doing. So, you know, just like we're called to be a beast on the soccer field, we're meant to be a, be a beast in the spiritual arena as well and to love and serve God proactively through our work. So that's what the term beast or beast for Christ means to me. And that's how it came about. And that's the encouragement with this ministry. I wanted to encourage young people most uh, specifically because that term relates to them. Definitely get some pushback from some older people about the term beast, (laughs) Um, but that's all cool too. But uh, so that's the, the encouragement with this ministry is to tell younger Christians that it's okay to express your faith, be a beast for Jesus, just as we're meant to be a beast 
on the sports arena, proactively Christian, expressing our faith aggressively and fiercely, and there's nothing wrong with that. I love it so much. I, like, and I love how like your marketing comes from a prayer because like I, I think the the beast logo, like I have I have your hat mm-hmm. and I love it and I wear it everywhere. The like be a saint beast logo is some of the greatest marketing I've ever seen. It beat out what I previously thought was the greatest marketing campaign that I had seen in the American church. Ironically enough, the previous owner of of the of the best marketing campaign was from the USCCB. You wouldn't think that that uh, would be a thing because you go to their website. It's not the greatest, like it's not the coolest thing in the world. But when the uh, we use the NAB the New American Bible mm-hmm. in Mass, right? When the revised mm-hmm. edition came out, it was N-A-B-R-E, and the, and the slogan was love your neighbor all over their website. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world <laughs> until you came along and it and was Beast for Christ. I, I love everything about it. I love this whole proactive Christianity thing because I think so often, like I can even find myself, this whole complacency thing I talk about all the time. It's just like, I'm just mm-hmm. letting Christianity happen to me. You know, like I'm going to mm-hmm. church, but it's like I need to choose and go out and do something. I need to choose to do something loving. I need to choose to sit down and do my prayer, and uh, and I, I love that you use the term fierce too, because then I just picture mm-hmm. Beyonce wearing a beast beast for Christ hat because she's, <laughs> she is she is Queen Bee and she is fierce. So, um, John, we we mentioned earlier earlier we're talking about this whole being a saint thing and how like Luke has his has his idols of the saints, not not in the like I worship idols way, but the people he looks up to. Uh, and you also <laughs> mentioned that you too are a professional athlete. So who are the who are the saints you look up to as a professional esports player? <laughs> uh man, I have a lot of favorite saints. Um Saint Therese of Lisieux like kind of changed my my life, my prayer life um when I was in my early 20s. So I always have a special place for her in my heart. Um when I went to see the Hunger Games, which I'm embarrassed to say that I really enjoyed the Hunger Games. I love the Hunger Games. Uh, Don't be embarrassed at all. You be fierce and, and out loud and proactive in that. Yes, love it. Um, like, I, I, like I just had this realization in prayer one day that like this is gonna be this is gonna sound horrible, but like they stole like the Hunger Games theme was completely stolen from Maximilian Kobe. You know, he was the first one to volunteer his tribute. Right. Uh, and and so like that whole like his whole story of what he did um, and the sacrifice that he made is incredible. And just how he lived out his suffering in the concentration camp. So he's right up there with me. And then one of the, one of the new saints, Chiara Badano, she might be blessed. I forget if she's canonized or not yet, but she's at least blessed Chiara Badano. Um, completely lived out her faith in Italy. Um, complete service to other people, including her own parents who there's a story that they tell that her parents were by her bedside as she was dying of this horrific disease. Um, and there, and she looked at them and she's like, go have a date, like go on a date night. You don't need to be here, like crying over me, like go have a date night. Your marriage is important. Um, so she's just an incredible people. So those are three of my favorites, San Trezlo, Sue, Maxine, Kobe, and Chiara Badano. I like that you mentioned uh, Blessed Kiara uh, because every time I see a picture of her, she looks exactly like my wife did, like in high school and, and in college. So every time I see her, I'm like, hey, look, it's my wife. <laughs> she did oh, it. Incredible. She's already in heaven because she's definitely going to be a saint by being married to me. I also like this th- that you brought up Teresa Lasso at at the beginning because she's the patron saint of missionaries although she never did any mission work so maybe she can be the patron saint of esports because she never played esports like we'll just have the same kind of idea apply there <laughs> <laughs> luke uh who are some of your other favorites man uh people that that we can look to that have inspired you that can inspire us here in this holy week well i uh mentioned a couple jose maria scriva 
who is uh, one of my favorites, and Maximilian Colby definitely, and John, give him a shout out. And uh, we can't overlook St. Joseph, who is just an amazing stud for uh, example to the church, the father of the church, and for fathers, you know, in fatherhood. So I think about him, and, and especially with marriage, I think about St. Zélie and Louis, who were in France, and St. Therese's parents, you know, and they raised an amazing family, and that's inspiring to me as I raise my kiddos. But um, one of my favorites, one that inspires me towards the new evangelization in about um, spreading the message and spreading the gospel is John Paul II, St. John yeah. Paul the Great. I uh, definitely love him. And he was a big inspiration behind the brand Be a Saint and how you know we need to reach people where they're at with a message that they'll understand. And as St. Paul says, to be all things to all people, um, how can we appeal to this culture and impact them and inspire them um, and win hearts and minds that way? So JP2 has been a big inspiration for Be a Saint Ministries. And I just love his approach to the new evangelization and reaching people where they're at. And that's the message behind uh, Be a Saint Ministries. Yeah, it's exactly what you're doing. So as we wrap up our time here, how can people get in contact with Be a Saint Ministries? Great. Uh, if you type anywhere on, on Google, hashtag Be a Saint, then we come up. Or if you go to the website, Be a Saint, that's S-A-I-N-T, Be a Saint dot me. Um, that's our website and our homepage. Instagram, we have a really big following at Beast for Christ, so B-E-A-S-T, period, for Christ. Follow us, check us out, check out some of the apparel, and be a saint in everything that you do, and be a beast, you know, represent proactive Christianity and fierce holiness in all that you do. Well, Luke, thanks so much for your time, man. Uh, if there's not a patron saint of soccer yet, uh, it can be you, or you can join that person up in heaven whenever you get there. Lurk, Luke, Lurk, not Lurk. That's that put your first and last name together. Luke Verkloni, <laughs> thank you so much for spending some time with us here on Forte Catholic, man. Appreciate it. Keep up the great ministry. Thanks, guys. Thanks Appreciate a lot. It, bud. Uh, guys, we will be, me and John will be right back uh, for our final segment of the day as we look into that very, very long reading that we heard yesterday that some of you might have passed out during. We're going to take a little bit of a look into that and some of the examples we find there. We'll be right back. Howdy, folks. We have a new partner here for the Forte Catholic Podcast. If you listen back on episode 120, we've done over 120 episodes. This is getting ridiculous. Okay. Uh, John Rozell from Stand Close to Christ came on the show, and I've now partnered with him to bring you discounts on the best Catholic gifts available. So uh, just a little bit about them and what they do. They help you discover inspiring Catholic gifts. Uh, many Catholics struggle to focus on their faith because of all this stuff going on in our world. It's kind of crazy. So we need reminders to stay close to Christ. For me, it takes someone slapping me in mass. They don't sell that at staying close to Christ, but they sell other great things like tiny saints, Catholic toys and games, saint cards. I love the tiny saints so much. I have a St. Michael one on my keychain. There's so much great stuff. You can check it all out at ForteCatholic.com slash gifts. Through these inspiring Catholic gifts, these guys are helping you share one powerful message. Stay close to Christ. We all need that reminder. You can do all of that and get 10% off while supporting Forte Catholic by going to ForteCatholic.com slash gifts. Gifts? Gifts. G-I-F-T-S. 
two of my favorite words, and they're so very, very similar. Do it. ForteCatholic.com slash G-I-F-T-S. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll. I don't think I've said that today. You know what? I don't think I've said that in a very long time. This is Taylor Schroll, and this is my show, Forte Catholic. And this is my friend, Jonathan Bearded Blevins. John, how are you? Oh, John, John, I had you muted. How are you, buddy? Wow, I've never been so offended. I'm doing great. I always mute. Everyone knows this. I have I mute all co-hosts and guests in the intros and outros because y'all refuse to talk over them. And finally, for the first time, it bit me in the in the pinky. I'm going to say bit me in the pinky. We're going to go with that. All right. Well, there you go, John. I'm glad you're doing well. What time did you go to mass yesterday? Yesterday, I went to mass at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. mass. So sometime. Around 1018, let's say, maybe maybe 1016. It doesn't matter because at 1016, 1018, 1023, you were doing the same thing. You were listening to a very, very long gospel. John, uh, how was that experience for you? So making a long story short, my new parish just moved into a, a renovated brand new church. It's beautiful. Um, and it, it was it added seats and it was still standing room only by the time I got there. So I had to stand through the entire mass. Um, so that was fine. It was my own little sacrifice. So it didn't really bother me that I had to stand for so long and listen to the gospel because I was already standing. However, uh, our priest allowed everyone to sit down during the gospel reading. Did Ooh, that happen at your parish? No, that has never happened at my parish. Our priests don't love us enough. <laughs> so yeah, I get both. I get both. Some people are like, it's the passion. Jesus suffered. You should suffer too. And I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. Uh, so, and I think honestly, people can, can pray more and listen better when they're sitting. So for that one, they sat and I think everyone was cool with it. Dude, I, I have the same thing. It's even like this whole idea, like you've probably experienced, like, especially working in the church. If you don't kneel on your knees, like with your, with your behind, not touching the seat, like if you're not kneeling for the entire time of confession like you you could get fired like you're not holy enough people will start writing letters like john blevins doesn't respect jesus because he rested for three seconds during communion you know Uh, like this this is a this is an email that i've gotten before i just read it in that voice that's i just wanted to share that from the bottom of my heart it is this interesting thing of like yeah we need to be sacrificial but at the same time it's like the whole point of hearing the gospel is hearing the gospel if I'm not, I, you know, if I'm not listening to it because I'm worried about my knees falling off, eh, that's a little dramatic. I, I have a question for you. Have you ever used your children as an excuse to not kneel or, or like not kneel during communion or not stand during this long gospel when you were supposed to? No. I I have. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's like, okay, we're standing for this long gospel. I don't feel very well. Oh, I'll just grab my one-year-old and I'll sit down and then people won't judge me because I'm holding the baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, I, I hear that for sure. I have not done that. I like to kneel while holding my kids after communion because it's like a real cool intimate moment. Um, and then, no, if I ever sat, my wife would give me that look like, what are you doing? Okay, so your wife is one of these people judging me. Uh, now I feel bad because you just mentioned that she is one of those people and I just made fun of those people no, by using no, no, a voice. No, she would never judge you. She's a saint. She only judges me. <laughs> I love that so much. I love that so much. So 
Here was my experience yesterday. I Like, my allergies were killing me, like, all weekend. I was not feeling all that well. We had planned to go to Mass at, like, 10, and, like, I just wasn't feeling. Like, it was just hard for me to keep my eyes open. Like, this is how bad my allergies were. And typically with my allergies, like, I feel better later in the day. So we're like, okay, let's go to 1230. And I was like, we got, we got to 12 o'clock when we would have had to leave, and I'm like, I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm not feeling well, which is, like, kind of rare for me on a Sunday, where it's like, I'm not feeling well. So we... We go to 5.30, and this is, it's not our last chance, but it's our last, like, real chance, like, to, to be able to get kids to sleep, you know? And yep. so we go to 5.30. I am feeling a little bit better, but I'm still just, like, groggy and in a fog and not feeling all that great. And, of course, that's the mass where they read, you know, these two chapters of this gospel. I got absolutely nothing. Like, my, it took every ounce of my being during the gospel just to stand up straight. Like, just to, like, I was, like, holding on to the pew in front of me, like, pushing myself up, like, doing doing a, uh, doing a some workouts with my arms to hold my body weight up. <laughs> like, it was not, not, not going well. So, yeah, I, I used the baby at some point. It's like, oh, the baby dropped a toy. That means I need to sit down for 45 seconds. Like, so it was, it was a struggle for me, okay? So yeah. here's the deal. Two things about it. I think it was hard because I was I was uh, I was not feeling well. That's part of it. But even then, I'm one of the people that goes to the Holy Week stuff. Like I do Thursday, I do Friday, and then I do either Saturday or Sunday, depending on the year. I know that I'm going to hear this reading again on Friday. I know it. Yeah. I know it's going to be the same exact thing. Going to have the same exact experience. So it was kind of like this thing. Like I know it's coming, and I've experienced this reading twice a year in the same week for 29 years now. How do you keep it fresh, John? <laughs> like, how does it stay fresh for you? Because working in the church, I would imagine that you go to Good Friday and Palm Sunday as well. Like, how do you keep this fresh where you're not just like, oh, I've heard this all before? Yeah, it's a, that's actually an interesting question because I've it's been an interesting part of my life for the last five years, uh, helping a lot with either RCAA or just even like RCAA with young people, teenagers. Um, I have had to do the Palm Sunday and then all of Holy Week and the Triduum and Easter Sunday. And so it's just been, it's always just a lot. Like the Easter vigil is always pretty wild and late. And then Easter morning, the next morning, how do you stay focused on all that? The only way I can ever do it is if I read the readings ahead of time. Because then if I'm zoning out, I can remember what part I'm missing and I do zone out. Um, so reading it ahead of time is the only way that helps me. That's interesting that you say beforehand, because I think for my personality, reading the gospel beforehand is a typical thing that I do in my week. I have a men's Bible study where we read the gospel reading together, eat lunch, talk about life, and then talk about the gospel. But I think with this one in particular, if I read this one beforehand, I would tune out even more. So it's interesting that you like the beforehand, but I did the opposite. Here's what I did. I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't feeling well. I knew I wasn't paying attention as much as I could. So what I did was this morning when I, I, I got some, I got more sleep. I was like, guys, like this is the greatest story ever told. Come on, Taylor. Like this is the greatest story ever. This is where our redemption came from. Like this should not be a story that I'm tuning out of or not, you know, like, oh, this isn't new. And it was even in this weekend where like Game of Thrones came out and the new Star Wars trailer came out. You know, it's like all these stories that were super like, like, like society is crazy excited about. There's a new Star Wars video game that the story trailer came out. Like all of these stories that have been with me for a very long time. I'm excited about. And then it was just this contrast. It's like, why aren't I excited about literally the greatest story ever told? So I thought about it uh, last night, and then I woke up this morning feeling better. So I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to read this again this morning. Read it after, after Mass. 
because it just wasn't yeah. the greatest experience. So I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I went through it and kind of looked at all the different characters. When I tried to do the quote unquote, keeping it fresh, right? Like, like just kind of, what is something new that can happen in my heart, in my spiritual life this year as we move in to this Holy Week? Because I've talked before about like, oh, I relate with Peter one year at Easter. Oh, I relate with Barabbas one year at Easter. So I was like, who are the people that I would never think that I would relate with? And let's try to go there. Cause that's new, <laughs> you know. That's that's fresh. Yeah. So before we even get into this, like into this, like who were some of the people in the past for you, John? Like in this passion story that you have related with? I'm gonna give the stereotypical answer and say that it's for me. It's always been Peter. And I heard Bob Rice give a really cool talk about this, and he it was all hypothetical. Uh, you know, you can't really know what Peter was thinking. But we always give Peter a hard time. Like he fails all the time, and Jesus is always reprimanding him in front of everyone. He calls him Satan once. Just get behind me. All these things, but Peter always learns, he always seeks forgiveness, and he always ends up choosing Christ at the end. And so I've heard it told from Bob Rice's perspective that, like, when Peter denies Jesus, it's not that he's denying him. And again, this is just speculative, so it's probably not true. Who cares? But, like, let's just journey with me. That he's not necessarily like, I don't know him because he's scared, but what if he's saying, I don't know him because he's trying to get closer and keep following Jesus to try to protect him? He, like, you know, someone's like, Hey, do you have the Jesus over there? He's like, no, 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 I don't. And it's, he's like walking forward to keep getting closer and find out where he is. Cause he keeps going, he keeps following him. He keeps going. And then he realizes he denies him three times. I feel like I relate to that because I'm constantly like trying to do my best. And sometimes I'm sinning or doing something or not praying like I should, because I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. I don't want to pray. Or like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to go do a holy hour. Like I'm, I'm serving people. I'm, I'm being with people. And you know what I'm saying? So like he has this mission for me and sometimes I, I don't see it and I think I'm doing it my own way. So I relate to, I relate to Peter a lot. Dude, that, it's really interesting because like you said, it's the stereotypical answer. And like, I too have related to Peter before, but I never got like the idea that you just shared about how like he might've been denying Jesus so that he could be closer to him. Right. It's like kind of this whole thing. Like, when is it okay to lie? Like in the underground railroad, if you're protecting people, like it's okay to <laughs> right. lie, you know? Uh, I, I think that's really interesting. There's like another thing, like, you know, like with Peter, there was a new one that stuck out, out at me for Peter. Cause usually for me, it's the denying Jesus. And then we all know the story later on at the beach where he, you know, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? For me, this this was the thing that actually stuck out to me during Mass yesterday. This is the one thing that stuck out to me. <laughs> I never realized how quickly this part of the story happens. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas comes and, and, and reveals Jesus with a kiss. His disciples realized what was about to happen, what was about to happen, and they asked Jesus, Lord, should we strike him with a sword? And one of them struck the high priest servant and cut off his right ear. Like the other guys are asking Jesus, like, hey, what should I do here? Uh, should we should we defend you? And Peter already has his sword out as they're asking the question, and he's slicing off this guy's ear. <laughs> I'm like, that is me. You know, <laughs> like that's me. It's yes. like I'm with Jesus. I think I know what he wants. I think I know what's best. I actually didn't ask him, and oh, that's not what he wanted me to do. Dang it. <laughs> yep. I thought that was really interesting to me. Another person that we, that we can relate to this week, John, is the servant whose ear was cut off. Have you ever had an experience where you related to that guy? No, but I did see the Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield fight. It, it's almost the same thing. I mean, it's essentially <laughs> the same thing. So um, this one was interesting because this one hadn't stuck out to me because of, uh, until this year, I think because of the year that a lot of us have had in our experience with the church. Um, <laughs> the year. Sorry. 
that was that was rough. I don't like Year. that. Okay, keep on. <laughs> so the servant whose ear was cut off, like he was attacked by the people or the leaders of God, right? So like this guy is attacked by Peter. And what happens next? Like Jesus is right there in the like he watched Peter do this and he says, Stop. And he picks up this guy's cut off ear and he heals him. Right. And I think a lot of people are still dealing with with the struggles and the and the doubts and the frustrations with leaders in the church. Guys, like Jesus is standing right there to heal you. Like he wants to do that for you this week. Another one. The people who blindfolded Jesus. Another one that I never really connected with until today. John, I feel like this is probably the person you connect with the most. The people who blindfold Jesus and mock them. That seems like something you'd connect with. <laughs> <laughs> prophesy! <laughs> oh my gosh, speaking of prophesy, it, it bothers me so much that the Catholic congregation does not know the difference between the word prophecy and prophesy. <laughs> because like one of our lines yesterday and Friday is like yelling at Jesus, prophesy. And like almost everyone in the congregation is like, prophecy, exclamation point. <laughs> like that's not a statement. That's not a command. It makes me love angry. it. So when you go to Good Friday, yell prophesy because that's what the word is. Uh, here's interesting. The people who blindfolded Jesus, and there's actually a connection with these people and with Herod. The people who blindfolded Jesus were against him. They did not like him. They were mocking him. And essentially they, they blindfolded him. And they were like, Hey, we want you to prove to us that you are who you say you are. Prophesy. Tell us which one of us hit you. Tell us something, do a sign for us. Right. And, and, and they're, they're against him. And then there's Herod. And I never noticed this. It said that Herod was excited and looking forward to meeting Jesus because he had heard a lot of a lot about him. It goes very quickly from he was excited to see him because he wanted to see a sign. Jesus didn't perform a sign, so then he mocks him and sends him away. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. All of these people wanting Jesus to prove himself. If that's not a thing for us today, I don't know what is. Like, Jesus, prove to us you're real. You walked around 2,000 years ago. Prove to us you're still active today. Prove to us or we'll end up sending you away or even mocking you, right? Like, that was huge for me whenever I, I, I read that this morning. That actually sticks out to me a lot. And I think about this a lot because even back then they were asking him, they like Herod knew of the miracles that Jesus did. He'd heard about it. People literally saw him heal that guy's ear just, you know, a little bit earlier. And in, in John chapter six, after he walks on water and, and feeds the 5,000, literally right after that, the same chapter, they're like, what sign can you show us? And it's like, like they were seeing crazy <laughs> stuff. They were seeing signs and it didn't work for them. So signs aren't going to work for us either. Um, you know, he wants more than that from us. Dude, that's, that's so true. It's so very true. Um, the last one that I want to share today, this was interesting. Um, the people in darkness and no, I'm not referencing the song. The people in darkness have seen a great light. That's not what we're talking about. Um, Can we please do an episode soon about Catholic music at mass? No, um, I not, not soon because I just listened to somebody else's and I didn't like it. It made me angry. So no, all it. <laughs> Uh, sure, John, you can play on the next show. Okay, so uh, the people in darkness, because it says it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until it was th until three in the afternoon because of the eclipse of the sun. Then the veil of the temple was torn down the middle. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. This is similar to what I was saying earlier about Jesus healing, healing the, the guy whose ear was cut off, right? Um, whether it's dark, no matter what darkness we find ourselves in, 
whether it is others imposed, like darkness in the church, darkness in struggle, darkness in at your in your home, darkness in your family, darkness at work, whatever it is, or if it's even like something that I shared earlier about how like prayer isn't going as well as it should be, like self-imposed darkness. Like I'm in the midst of this dark day, but e- even in the midst of that darkness, Jesus is still dying for us, and Jesus is our example. Jesus says in the midst of the darkness where he like he doesn't feel this connection with his father for the first time. You know, uh, why have you forsaken me? Even then he says, Father, into your, into your hands I commend my spirit. This is the last words that he says. He rolls his head down and he dies, right? So even in the midst of all of our darkness, in the midst of our prayer not going well, in the midst of our failure, the good news of this week is that we have Jesus as our example, but we also have Jesus as our savior because he didn't stay in that tomb for more than a couple of days. So, uh, John, Thanks for coming on today. I love you. Amen, brother. Love you too, man. It's always fun. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, I hope that you have a blessed, wonderful, holy week. Uh, Lean into Jesus. No matter how your Lent has gone, even if your Lent has been darkness, lean in this week. It's the holiest of weeks. He still loves you. He still died for you. And he still wants to bring new life into you. I'll be back next week. Say it. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. For all things Forte Catholic, head over to fortecatholic.com. There you can find out how you can connect with us on social media and also find past shows and much, much more. I'll see you all next week.